What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. Today, I have an amazing speaker, uh, mindset coach, just incredible guy, like all around amazing human being. I've gotten to know him over the last year. Uh, we've had we spent some time together on the phone, on Zooms, in person, and each time I get so much from from this guy. Like he's been a coach and a mentor of mine uh, from a distance for a while from stage, and now I've got to bring him on the podcast, bring him to Flip Hacking Live. It's been amazing, and so. Um, I want to introduce you to somebody who I hold near and dear to my heart and very high in business and life. And um, it was really cool to spend some time listening to him speak in Orlando this year with my eight-year-old son sitting next to me. We talk about it a little bit on the show today, but he's got some really incredible gold nuggets for you on um, living life on purpose and the mindset piece and taking action and how to be accountable to yourself today. So this is Nick Sansonastaso, and I think you guys are really going to love this one. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody. I am back with another amazing show for you on the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. I've got a, uh, a friend of mine today who came to speak with us at Flip Hacking Live. He tore the house down. Like, literally, <laughs> I could not get the people to stop clapping on their feet and shut up when he was done. Like, it was just, <laughs> energy was insanely high. It was really awesome. And it was the highlight of the event. So you guys are, if you didn't come to Flip Hacking, if you came to Flip Hacking Live, you know if you didn't come, then you're about to find out. So um, I want to introduce you to Nick Santanastaso today. Nick, how are you? My man, thanks for having me. You crushed my last name too. I love that. Yes. It's a lot of practice. Uh, and in fact, I remember at Flipback and Live, I was backstage. I was like, okay, I'm going to say this like three times. You corrected me twice and I got it. And I hope I nailed it on stage too. So it's not an easy one uh, at all. So, hey, can you give everybody a little bit of like context and background to who you are and, and frankly, why they should care? Yeah, great. So to give some context, if you're viewing this or listening to this, I, I was uh, I'm 26 years old and I was born with no legs, one arm. So coming off the gate strong here. And I was born with a super rare genetic disorder called Hanhart syndrome, which either leads to babies with undeveloped limbs or undeveloped organs. So at the time of my birth, I was the 12th baby in medical history that they've ever seen this happen to. And out of the 12, eight of those babies passed away. So I'm a walking, breathing, living unicorn. And uh, I've had a lot of identities in my life. But right now, my specific identity is I'm the, the psychology guy. What I've realized working with some of the greatest leaders and entrepreneurs that oftentimes it's not a mechanic issue or a strategy issue. It's usually a psychology issue. So I'm the guy they bring in to kick you in the butt with my non, non-existent leg and get you moving and get you some momentum in your business and your life. Well, you're also one of the, like the the funniest guys that I've seen, like the humor on stage and stuff like that, like building that in. It was really cool because I was sitting next to my eight-year-old son. He was there, my son, my oldest son, Will. And I noticed when you came out on stage, like I introduced you and then I went down in the audience in the front row to kind of just watch. Like I'm a student as well. I take notes. I, I want to watch. I want to watch somebody who's who's really good at what they do and and can give me a breakthrough and i would watch i was watching my son and he was like mesmerized by you like the way that you moved around the stage and and then you would tell some jokes like kind of make fun of yourself a little bit and and he would laugh and he and he not once did he try to pick up his ipad and start playing it while you were presenting for an 
hour. So it's really cool to see that. And, um, and I think it's really powerful because whether you're an eight-year-old or you're a 60 or 70-year-old at the event, um, completely engaged. And every time that I speak, I try to, it's not necessarily like laughing or clapping or applause or standing ovations or things like that. It's really like intense engagement that I try to get from the audience. Like actually silence for me is really better because yeah. it means they're, they're, and they're not on their phones. They're not doing it. Like I, I've got them, like I've got them in story. I've got them in those things. Um, was that natural for you? Is it something that you have learned over time and in all that process, like what did you get from the kind of learning that stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. So definitely not natural. I think there was some sort of basis of like being our, being able to articulate a message. But if anyone wants to go to YouTube and go type in my full name, you can see uh, a speech that I did in a wrestling room full of kids when I was 19. It was horrendous. And people thought it was amazing back then. And the reason why I'll give you a few reasons why I'm at this level of a speaker. The first reason is I got like you said, I got a lot of reps. And so I was going and I was speaking for free in high schools and middle schools to adults, you name it. Like I was going there just to get reps in. And me and Ratmere, who you met, you, you met my business partner. Like we have this little inside joke after every speech now. I'm like, I always go up to him like, hey, what should I say? And he's like, J just share your story, bro. Because in the beginning, that's all I knew how to do was like share my story. And my message was, if I can do it, you can do it. And that's really all I had. But I got, I got reps in. And then to, I'm going to be honest. I got into speaking initially for making money. I was like, I did, as, a, as a man with no legs and an arm, I was like, I can't work a regular job. What, what, what am I going to do? My dad always was like, you could be a broadcaster. You could speak at churches and you could do this. And I remember my first paid speaking engagement was at a car dealership in Tampa, Florida, and they paid me 1500 bucks for an hour. And I was like, oh my God, I'm rich. Like life is never going to be the same again. Someone, I spoke words out of my mouth for a whole hour and they gave me 1500 bucks. And I was just thrilled. But there was a shift that happened. And the shift that happened with me was I fell in love with orchestrating the crowd. And I didn't realize, because at first I thought I was just speaking to people, just speaking at them, right? And I, I, I believe there's three levels of communicators and we can get into that, but speaking at people. And then when I was 21 years old, I went to my first Tony Robbins seminar and I didn't know who Tony was. And Ratmere told me like, this is the biggest guy. He paved the, paved the way in the industry. Like you got to learn from him. And when I saw this man get up on stage for 13 hours without stopping and have the crowd freaking out, crying, I was like, I want to do that. Like, how do you do that? How do you orchestrate someone to go from laughing to crying to inward to outward and having breakthroughs and shifts and their life has whole changed. And that was my first inspiration of like, this is much more than speaking on stage. This man is orchestrating. And so I started studying. I started studying Tony. I went to, I probably have over four or 500 hours in the room watching him. Um, Jim Rohn was his mentor. How Tony got started was Jim Rohn. Like Tony's what Jim Rohn was to Tony and I, uh, to me, and I just been watching him. And so through studying someone who has the life for the results that I want, I'm able to condense time. Right. And so that man has been speaking for 45 years. I've been speaking for five years, but I've been able to excel so fast because I get to learn from one of the greatest in the world. And Bill, Bill, you know that like one of the greatest ways to expedite your journey is to find a coach or a mentor who is way further ahead so they can condense all their years into a few days or sometimes months for you. Yeah. And you said something that I think is really important when you're looking for that mentor is find somebody who has the life you want and the, ex the experience you want and, and all of those things. It's not just necessarily the money or the success or one piece. It's like, try to find somebody. And, and, and it's kind of hard these days because there's, 
there's so much that's kind of hidden under the surface. Like social media makes it so easy for us to think that everybody's life's great when it's not. And so when I was looking for a mentor specifically, I was looking for somebody who actually was like the husband, the father, the business owner, all of the things that I, that I aspire to be, or I'm looking to be to, to give me that, like blaze that path for me, not just the business side. And so now a lot of times like I went and looked for masterminds for years and years and years for like two years before I landed in the one that I'm in now is just because I, I couldn't find that. It was a lot. The values weren't there. The, the character wasn't there. There were things that were missing, but I could get valuable business advice, but I needed it all. Like I needed all of it. So I, I'll highly encourage you. you. You said it with Tony and believe me, I've been in the room with Tony multiple <laughs> times for four or five times. And it's like the temperature changes when the man walks in the room. It's just, it's, <laughs> crazy. It's the, the power and the force is, is unbelievable. And I, I'm the same way as you. When I saw him perform for the first time, I was like, wow. Um, at the first time I was like, what, like, would it ever be possible that I could do something like that? Yeah. And then the next time it was like, well, what if I could, I could do something like that? And then the next time it was like, I think I could do something like that. And the next time it's like, whoa, like I'm moving closer to doing things like that. And I have my like own little stage and, and platform and place that, that you came to, to speak. So it, it's been, it's been really cool to, to, to do some of that. And when you see somebody who's so good at what they do, you have two choices. You can either say, Oh, I think they, they, they have something that I don't have. There's no possible way that I can do that. Like, or I never want to do that, even though you do secretly want to do that. And it's like, yeah. or you can say, Oh my gosh, like, how can I learn from them? How can I study them? How can I get four or 500 hours and how can I figure out how to do that thing? So like, what was it when you, when you saw that and you started taking that action? Because I, I feel like this, this question can go for the people that are listening that are want to get started in real estate, but aren't and see other successful people and say, I can't do it. And, and people that want to be better fathers and they want to lose weight and they want to do all these things, anything it, it's, it's universal law. What was the thing that got you to say, I see this person, t- Tony doing this. I want to figure out how to do it and start acting, start taking that action to do it. Like what's the thing that really helps you each time that you kind of get maybe like knocked back down and, and get back up? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great thing. And I just want to note something that, that you mentioned is the only thing that's standing in between you and the person that you look up to is they've probably been doing it longer and they failed way more than you have. That's it. Time and a whole lot of more a whole lot of more failures, right? And so I think I think for me, I was speaking. But when you get into a room of someone who's doing at a way higher level, like like you said, you can either get like kind of like butthurt and be like, oh, like maybe this isn't for me. Or you could be like, wow, like I want to start getting up. Like I have more to be. I have more to give. I have more to serve. I have, I have a higher level of life that I can achieve. But also, if I'm honest, I think me being able to impact people or give them breakthroughs, as we call them, and shifts in their life, I just wanted to feel significant. If I like really, really dug deep into inward is like, I don't feel like I've ever felt significant. Like my whole life, for example, like started with girls not liking me and me not thinking I'm good enough. And so I think oftentimes and those that are watching this and listening to this, you can probably relate. Oftentimes, most entrepreneurs create something and build something because they have some sort of insecurity they're trying to build over. They have some sort of they don't feel valid enough. They don't have self-worth. And so they go try to validate it in other ways. And so I think that's what happened to me. I was like, I can get significance, but I can get it in a good way because you can meet the need of significance in an empowering way and a disempowering way. You can get significance. You know, if, if I 
pulled out a gun and held it to Bill's, Bill's head, like I'm going to be a very significant person in his life, right? And that's a disempowering way to get significance. That's why they always be crying because people want that. But for me, I was like, well, I can get significance by growth and contribution. If I can contribute to people and I can serve them and give them ahas and breakthroughs, I will feel significant. And the truth is, whether it's me, Tony Robbins, Bill, like when we're on stage and people are clapping, we like that. We like that stuff. It makes us feel good. I don't care who you are. Like we like that stuff. And so I think it was for me, Bill, was trying to build over my insecurities, which I still struggle with, trying to build over me not feeling enough, not feeling good enough. And this is a very interesting path. And we were talking about this before we jumped on and who we want to serve. It's a very interesting path because you can build these things and you have the company, you have the success, you have the money. But if you don't have that internal validation and an amazing relationship, you feel still empty. You feel still like you're off track and you're off purpose. And so I, I mentioned to you before I jumped on this, like I'm still going through my my journey of finding myself. But I think in that moment, and this is a long-winded answer, in that moment, I wanted to be significant, but I wanted to be significant in an empowering way. Does that make sense? Totally. I remember sitting at the Tony Robbins, he, I was at UPW last year, um, and, and, and that's where I got to see you speak again. It was really incredible. And I... I got to a point where we were going through those six human needs yeah. and I was looking at significance because I'm sitting here like, I want to grow this movement. I want to speak on bigger stages. I wanted to get on uh, Funnel Hacking Live stage. I wanted to get on Russell stage. I was there last November and I, that was a goal of mine that I wrote in there. And so like all these things, and then I started saying like, why? Like, is it to stroke your ego, Bill? Is it all the things that you want? And um, I remember my, one of my business partners, Mike Simmons, he was there. And we were sitting next to each other going through this exercise. And I said, man, I'm really struggling with this. Um, I feel like this significance thing is, is really driving a lot of the things that I want to do. Like, I feel like it's down to growth and contribution, but th this significance thing is, is affecting me and it's causing me to kind of pause because I like, why do I want, you know, more followers on social media? Why do I want more downloads of the podcast? Why do I want a bigger stage? Why do I want more people to come to, to flip hacking live? Is it because of me? Is it because I want them to like, worship me or think that I'm awesome or, or clap or all the things that you're talking about. Um, and what he said to me was, was one of the most helpful things. And I'll never forget the conversation that we had, even though it was a, probably a minute or two. He said, are you doing it for your significance or you're doing it for them? Because what I see on the other side is I see, I don't see you doing it for you. Like you're sacrificing your time from your family, you're taking away all the things that, that you hold very near and dear to your heart to give back to these people. And so he, he's like, if significance, if that piece of significance, and that makes you feel good so you do more of it, is driving a ton more contribution and growth for other people, then it's okay. And you shouldn't even be worried about feeling significant in, in those moments. Like you said, it doesn't matter who we are. Like when people clap and say you're awesome, it feels good, right? And, and if you can just get past the fact that, um, that all of the, all these things that are happening, that empowering significance, like you talked about, is, is so important. My, um, Gosh, I, I've been on a, a coaching call talking Hero's Journey for like the past four weeks with Michael Haig, the guy who's like the godfather of Hero's Two Journeys. And so he talks about the wound causing the belief mm. that, that causes fear that creates the identity. So we just got did some deep work yesterday, actually, where we talked about um, me. I want to grow my audience, like me doing like branding and PR for me personally is going to be really important for me this year. It's kind of the direction that I'm going, where I'm focusing. And it, it's, 
he, he talked about the wound that's holding me back from that for the past few years. And he said, it's like you kind of want to hide in the shadows. And I was like, yes, that's true. Like that's, I feel like I don't want to be the guy in front of the scenes because I feel like that will feed my significance, ego, all this stuff and could, I don't know, I put this bad light on myself. So anyway, all, very long response to you, but I know exactly how you feel because I've been like what you're exactly what you're talking about, I should say, because I'm going through it myself in a, a very deep way right now, actually. And I think a lot of people out there, you talked about this wound that you had that created a belief and we didn't really talk about the fear, but you kind of talked about that identity piece. So the, the wound being like, hey, I've, you know, hold, holding myself, like not been born with the things that other people are born with and then this, this belief. And then I, I guess the next question that I would have, depending on what you want to talk about next is how did you get over some of that fear and identity piece to move out and start taking challenges and taking risks very early on in your life where you could yeah. have just sat in that that wound and that belief and that identity. Yeah, I, I love that analogy, Bill. So I think I think the fear and this is when you when you dig deep into any human psyche, like this is one of the biggest fears that drives people or kind of cripples or handicaps them. And it's the fear of not being enough or fear of not being loved. Right. And so if if, if I can if I can deliver to these people, they'll love me. And then if they love me, maybe I can finally love myself. Right. And so I think that was the fear of like fear of not being enough or not being loved. Because just like for me being born like this, like I wasn't the type of kid, even my parents, like I wouldn't want them to do things for me. I always wanted to be independent. So like I'm in middle school and high school trying to figure like, how am I going to be financially independent? How am I going to take care of myself? I don't want to rely on the government or handouts and take, take, take outs from my parents. Like I want to be able to do it on my own. So I think the fear of not being enough was something that was driving me, but how I obliterated or went through these fears. The first thing is action, right? You can eliminate fear by just taking action and going into the uneasy waters. That's how you learn how to swim. But the other thing is oftentimes our anxiety, our stress, our fear comes from a lack of preparation. And the lack of preparation preparation could also tie into you feeling like an imposter, like should I really be here? So for example, in the beginning of my speaking career, Bill, like I didn't have much content. Like I was a professional storyteller. I got paid to make a lot of money. And I heard whether it was directly to me or to someone else that someone else told me, there were so many things that people told me or, or said about me about my speaking career. I'll just list a few of them. There was one of like, you know, he's not tactical enough. The other one was he'll never be over a $5,000 speaker. Oh, he only gets stages because he's disabled. Like people just feel bad for him. That, so they give him stages. And so my, my whole life I had to prove myself of like people aren't just giving me things like I'm actually valuable. So I think I was always on this search of like, I'm valuable. Like, look at me. Uh, I'm, I'm good enough. Please, you know, accept me. And so I think how you how you overcome those fears. And for those that are listening is start digging your well. And what I mean by that is start becoming a master at one thing. So many of us are, are, are identifying as a mass. Oh, I do this and I do that. And I teach this and I teach over here and I teach this concept. When in reality, like just build your well super deep on one thing to the point where you're so competent and you're so confident and certain that no one can deny your value. Does that make sense? And so like I, I had to take everything in the brain world of like neuroplasticity, going to do NLP, hypnosis, timeline therapy, you name it. I was like, I'm going to dig my well so deep to the point where no one can say like, oh, maybe he just gets stages for this. Like this guy's got tactical strategies that are helping people break through and shift their life. And it also gave me more confidence and self-worth that I was doing it right. 
So I feel like that that not feeling worthy or maybe like, is this for me also comes from a lack of knowledge. And that's totally OK. We should be this is a break that I had just a few weeks ago is like you should be learning more than you're teaching. And I got to the point in my life where I was teaching more than I was learning and I ran out of stuff and I need to go find some new stuff. Mm, I love that. Learning more than you're teaching. And I, I feel like it, it goes hand in hand with a lot of stuff that I, that I think about all the time is when we get comfortable, we get complacent, and then we start, we start losing our edge. Yeah. And so that's, that's a dangerous place to be is that comfort and complacent. And like, I got this figured out. And that's what I realized when I would go to these events with Tony Robbins. I, when I saw you speak at our event, when I go to these other events and places that I go, I find like masters of the craft where I say, and, and again, it's back to those two choices. Like I could even say, oh yeah, like I don't need to get there. I'm fine where I'm at or I'm doing really well. Or you can be like, you know what? I can learn something here and I can sit down. I can shut up. I can take out my piece of paper and my pencil and I can get to work. And, and then if I, and you get to a point where it's like, if I just implement one or two of these things, it's massive changes and adjustments for us. And where as you build up like more success and more, uh, more knowledge and more information. It's just like a little tweak makes huge results. And in the beginning, you have to bring a lot in. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, it, that's, that's a really cool concept. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I need that. I, just to add on top of what you said, because I think it's so powerful with the wound is oftentimes people aren't moving forward because that wound is so deep and because, right. So based off of, off a specific experience, especially if it's the experience that you didn't want, you then develop beliefs are, am I capable? Can I really do this? Right. So even me, with me, like, I'd love to share just like what I'm going through currently is I have, we were talking about my high ticket coaching, right. And I'm the person who wants to meet everybody's needs. I want everybody's customer journey to be perfect and everybody get the results and breakthroughs and shifts. And the truth is like, sometimes people don't get the shifts. Sometimes they don't do the work. Like you can only do so much. And I, I got on some feedback calls and there was, there was specific clients who like, who weren't happy and it like broke my heart. And then here I am, I'm like, okay, should I move forward? Like, is this for me? And the voice is trying to like talk me out of like, maybe you should do something else. Right. And so for those that are in that spot, maybe you tried to pursue something, maybe it was a deal, maybe it was um, a syndication. I don't know what it is for you, but, and it, and it went South. Most people aren't persistent enough to get the new experience so they can have the new belief. Right. So, so wherever you are right now, just persist until you get what you want, because when you get what you want, if you could do it once, you could do it over and over and over again. And the truth is the thing that will set you apart from those that are successful versus those that aren't, those that aren't don't persist long enough. They fall off. It's not for them. They don't have the willpower. They don't go long enough. And so if you can go long enough, you can get the experience and then develop a new belief, but also the, the technique that some of the greatest athletes, actors, fighters in the world do is called neuron mirroring. And basically that's like anchoring the result before you even have it, right? It's called mental rehearsal. So you can close your eyes and you can see what you saw. You can hear what you heard. You can feel what you felt of you closing that deal, achieving that thing, buying that car. And if you can feel it in the present moment, you're anchoring your body and programming your brain that it's already done. Time just hasn't caught up yet. And that's why, for example, like Conor McGregor, when he went and knocked out Jose Aldo, that wasn't his first time throwing the left or the jab. That was his 800th time. He did it 800 times in his head. So when he got into the real world, his body knew exactly what to do. People underestimate the power of this big old meat in here, the brain. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's uh, I talk. I love that that concept. 
it's really, really important because in order to take the action and go through the pain and have the courage to get back up again, you have to have already done it. So people say all the time, like, I'm brand new. Like, what should I do? Like, hey, just picture where you're going to be at that closing after you sell your first flip, you made $40,000 and it's in your account. The wire is coming to your account or you're holding the check. Like, how does that feel? What are you going to do with it? Think Mm -hmm. about it all. I remember when I was buying this uh, newest airplane that I have, um, I, I got to the point where it was about a year, about a year ago, I was talking to somebody who just bought a jet and I was like, wait, what? Like I, I'm a pilot. I'm a little airplane. Like this guy's buying a jet. Like, why am I not buying a jet? Like if he could buy a jet, I could buy a jet. Why am I not buying a plane like that? Because it's expensive. It was like a couple million dollars. I was like, millions of dollars. Like I don't even have a million dollar house that I live in. How can I have a million dollars in a hangar somewhere? It's ridiculous. And so he changed my mindset. He talked about like how he made money with it and what it looked like and all these things and how it changed the way that he looks at time and, and how he says no to certain things now because he has to make that payment and stuff like that. So I started saying, Hmm, what if, and what if became, why not? And why not became, I think I can do this. The same, the same cycle. Right. And, and then what I did was I saw it in the hangar at my airport. Like I was like, I can see it. I, I know what plane it is. I can see it there. I can picture myself flying it. And then I got to go fly one. Uh, it was Ken Griffey Jr.'s airplane, by the way, if you're a baseball fan. Uh, I got to go fly Ken Griffey Jr.'s airplane. They lease him back. It was a vision jet, amazing plane. And uh, through all this process, it was just became more real, right? It's there. It's like you go see that first house. Like you can see the check. You can see it all. Then you go to the first house and you make an offer and you get shot down. It doesn't matter. Like you get back up faster. It's like no big deal. Like I can see it. It's going to happen. I got to put in the reps like Nick said. And although I bought a different plane, it's not the exact plane that I had pictured in my mind. I flew it. I, I couldn't find one. I needed to go back to the drawing board, put five more planes together that, that would work for me. And I ended up buying another one, which is the perfect plane for me, by the way. It just happens that way. But it was that vision. I could see it. It was already done. Like when people are talking to me, like, are you going to do it? I'm like, what do you mean? Am I going to do it? Like it's already done. It's been done. I just haven't done it yet. And that's where you need to get in your real estate career in raising money, all the things that you're trying to do in your real estate world is wholesale a deal before you wholesale a deal. Like it's gotta be in your head, raise a million dollars before you raise a million dollars, do the flip, see the money, spend it. Like where, what do you, how, what's it going to feel? Where are you going to be? Like take yourself through those exercises over and over. That's why, I mean, there's vision boards there. I can look at it every day. And then there's me taking myself through that experience. So Nick, can you talk to that? Maybe you have like, uh, do you have like a process or something that you, that you use for yourself or people that you work with? Yeah, so I, I love what you said is there's a difference between the vision board and then there's putting yourself in it. And that's the difference between watching someone on a roller coaster and then like you in the roller coaster, like about to tip over, right? And that, that the concept is called um, associated versus disassociated. And so if people are disassociated to their dreams and their goals and their visions, they don't feel it, it's not anchored, right? So we call this process also the touching the dream. So there's, there's, two, there's two things that I would say. The first thing is is the mental rehearsal, right? So like sitting down, getting in a getting in a meditation. There's by the way, there's no right or wrong way to do a meditation. That's your perfectionism taking over. Just like close your eyes, calm yourself down, get the breathing, and like picture, like start start exercising the muscle of like picturing, like like Bill was saying, see yourself walking through the hangar, 
Like you're opening the door, you're sitting in the cockpit, you're, you're feeling the seats. Like you want to anchor this, what you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel, who's around you. And like try to anchor the emotions into your body and do it over and over again, right? Because this is also going to program a part of your brain called the reticular activating system. And this is the filter and the lens that you see life through. That's why, for example, if you ever wanted a, an amazing car, if you wanted, say you wanted when Tesla, you wanted a Tesla when it came out. You would go on the highway and all you saw were Teslas. Your head would snap and you see Teslas. They didn't make more of the Tesla. You program your brain to pick up on them when they were around you. So I would say mental rehearsal of visualizing it over and over again. And then the other concept is what we call touching the dream. And touching the dream is instead of having the picture of the car, go test drive it. And that's what Bill did. He, he went and he flew the jet. He like got in the cockpit. He was actually flying it. Instead of look, by the way, do all of these, instead of looking at the house on Zillow, like, Everyone right now, you can go on Zillow, you can go in your zip code, type in million dollar mansions, whatever price point, find an open house and go walk it for free. They don't do any background checks, they don't do any credit reports, like you can go walk in and take your family, hey, this is what we're working towards. This is what we're going to live in one day and anchor that, show your family, show your tribe what you're about to achieve. And so that those are the two, like mental rehearsal of meditation and visualization and doing it over and over again. And then also actually going and touching and feeling the dream. And, and Bill, you actually gave me a great gift. I think you don't know this yet, but you gave me a great gift when we were in the mastermind in San Diego and everybody was sharing their nuggets and you shared your nugget on how you made that plane happen. You were the catapult for me to be like, oh, I could do it. You know, I, could, I, could, I could probably do it. So like, I just want to show, I want to show this real quick because um, I didn't know this topic was going to come up, but the background on my phone Is a jet. Ah, nice. It's a there citation. I don't know exactly which one, but it's a, it's a citation. And what what do we see a lot? We see our phones a thousand. We see the backgrounds on our phone a thousand times, a thousand times. And so put something that's powerful, intentional for you on the background of your phone so it anchors. But you gave me a great gift. And and this was going this is going back to the law of exposure. The moment I'm exposed, I cannot be unexposed. And once you shared your little nugget on how you made the jet happen and that it was capable, like I can't look at life the same. That's why like hanging around Grant that, that, that weekend and just people who think bigger, like your life will change when you get in the room where people are doing bigger things, thinking way bigger, and you're, you're exposed to a whole different life and you can never see life the same. It's so powerful. So you gave me a great gift. I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. And I can't wait to, uh, to fly with you in it. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Uh, I'll tell you, the, the thing that I, that as you were talking, I said, you know what? I actually just almost do this without thinking about it now. And, and if, you can, if you can start doing these things, and like Nick talked about in the beginning, it's about reps. You get more reps in, it becomes, it becomes totally natural for you. Like I'm trying to think about all the things that I'm working on right now and the directions that we're going. Like I have, like I'm, we're like try, trying to build this house. And then I, I in my, on my farm, I'm knocking down a barn this, uh, this winter and building up an event center that hopefully we can do like real estate events at uh, farm events. People can come out and just, it's right in my backyard. It's be awesome. And, and, and we do farm to table dinners. We can do, uh, you know, fundraisers and things like that. But like, I can already see the inside of the barn. Like I know what it looks like. I've, I've researched a bunch more, but I've, I can, I've, I'm already like living the events. I can see the tables. I can see the chairs. I can see the people coming. I can see people paying a thousand dollars potentially for a seat. Uh, you know, I can, I, I see, I see the house. I see the masterminds that we can have at the house. I see the Airbnb potential right now. I'm dropping like, I'm, I'm, 
I'm I'm going to do this, by the way. I'm putting like houses, like these little tiny houses on my farm to rent out like at like 100 bucks a night, 150 bucks a night. And I I was this morning, I was watching YouTube videos on these dome tents that you can put on there. And I get like $30,000, $35,000. I get a whole beautiful like 28 foot diameter dome tent. And I'm like, I can see it. Like I, I already see it out there. Like, and it's, it's just normal and natural. I don't even talk about it anymore. So I think what's interesting in all of this is the more you, like in the beginning, you have to intentionally do this. Like Nick said, like you got to sit down, you got to close your eyes. You got to breathe. You got to, you got to say that you're meditating. You got to, you got to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and think through all this stuff. But once you do it a few times, it just becomes natural. You don't even think about what you're doing. And that's why you can see success so much faster. Like it just happens for you and, and, and with you, like, it's really incredible. So, um, and, and I don't know, like I just rambled for a while, Nick. No, you're good. And, and, and it feels good, right? Like it, it feels good for you to anchor those emotions. And I'd much rather take time out of my day to anchor gratitude, joy, inspiration versus most people who are pissed off, angry, stressed. <laughs> Yeah. What are some other things that you can share? Maybe some other tactics or techniques or things that you teach or talk to that, um, that you think would really help our audience. I'll I'll give you like right now we're in a time where people are just like kind of frozen. I feel like, like, Hey, the market's going down. The market's been up. Like, should I start now? Should I not start now? Should I go all in? Like there's that time where those people, and there's a lot of people like I've wanted to get into real estate for a really long time. I will, I'm, I'm shouting from the mountaintop right now. Like there's a huge opportunity here. Like it's coming. There's a wave of massive opportunity where a ton of wealth is going to transfer in the real estate world. You need to start getting educated right now and then jump in. So like, what are some things that you, you can share for folks? Like just some wisdom that you have for in any piece of that or people that are kind of frozen. Yeah, that's a great question. I, the first one, which I feel like is common sense, but you realize that a lot of people don't do it is it's, it's only a recession is if, if you're focused on all the politics and the news and all the negativity, like it doesn't have to be a recession in your world if you don't want it to be a recession in your world, right? And so I think oftentimes recession, and, and by the way, we're in a winter, but as my mentor would say, there's two people in winter. There's one person who frees to death, the other one builds a fire, snowboards and enjoys it with the family, right? So it's the meaning that you give winter. And so I would be very conscious of strategies. I'd be very conscious of the meaning that I'm giving things inside my business and my life. Is this the end or is this the, is this the beginning? Is this winter? Or is this going to be the best season of my life? Because I, if I can be successful in winter, I can be successful in all the other seasons of business and life. So I'd be very conscious of the meaning that you give things. And then also one of the most easy strategies that I think a lot of people don't do is like, what do you want? Like, what do you really want? Like, get start getting intentional. Is like, is it like thirty thousand dollars in passive income? Is it like five properties? Is it twenty doors? Like, I would start to get really nitty gritty on what do I want and what do I want to pick up? That way you can reverse engineer it and put into little bite sizes for the quarter or for the month. Because oftentimes most entrepreneurs or real estate agents, like we're we're walking around and they don't even know what they want. They haven't taken the time to sat down and really plan out what do I want this year to look like? What do I want Q1, Q2, Q3 to look like? And so I would say really getting intentional on the things that you want. And And by the way, I'm, I'm very business heavy because I'm, I'm 26. I'm trying to build something amazing, right? But I also want you to be intentional about like, what, do you, what, what body fat percentage do you want to be at? What weight do you want to sit at? Do you want to be in the gym more? What habits or rituals do you want to start picking up on? Because oftentimes too, 
Bill, is like people want to get into real estate or they want to get into the next level. But like you mentioned, it's an identity. It's an identity problem, right? Or it's an identity challenge. And so I would also ask, this is another exercise that you can do, is because if you continue to think the, the same way you're thinking right now and take the same actions right now, you're going to have the same life. And so instead of making decisions and planning based off your current self, what would higher self do? What would $50 million bill do? What would $100 million bill do? What would, how would he... How would he plan his life out? What are his habits? What are his rituals? What is he doing on a day-to-day? Because the truth is, if you can identify what your higher self would, would, would be doing, their habits, their rituals, how they show up, how they're serving, what they're doing on a day-to-day, and start acting in according with your higher self, you can meet that identity a lot faster. And so that's a little technique that anyone can do, is try to picture, okay, like if I'm sitting at a million dollars, what does $5 million Nick do? What does $10 million Nick do? What does my higher self do? And usually he's going to tell you to do the very thing that you don't want to do. And it's that thing that you have to do that you've been putting off. And so talking about the unwiring and rewiring process of like identities in the brain, what you fear the most, the thing that you're pushing off should be in the forefront of your brain. You have to tackle that thing because that's how you're going to break through to the other side. Everything you want in life is on the other side of fear. And all fear is, is your brain just kind of trying to keep you alive. It wants to keep you comfortable, wants to keep you certain, cozy in your comfort box. And so whatever you're pushing off right now, and I know a lot of you are listening to this right now. You're like, he knows I'm pushing off something. There's something that you're pushing off right now. There's something that you're fearful to do. Go pursue that thing. And I promise you will elevate and obliterate to the next identity. Oh, man, I love it. I think we could definitely uh, just keep going for like another hour. But um, I want to... I want to, man, I want to thank you, first of all, from, for coming to our event in October and, and speaking the way that you did, not, not just for the audience, but selfishly for me and my son. Um, <laughs> it was huge breakthroughs. I have pages and notes of some really amazing things that you said that, that allow me to think a little bit differently. And that's going to help everybody in our audience and our masterminds, everything like that. The trickle down effect is massive. So the impact that you can have um, with your gift is, is really incredible. And thank you for coming on the show also. Um, I, I want to give you an opportunity to at the end here just to kind of anything that you that you wanted to say that you that you haven't said and then how people can find out more about you. I know you're you you do uh, some challenges from time to time, things like that. We'll definitely like drop some links in the description and we'll send out emails to some of the folks. But how can people find out more about you if they want to go deeper with you or or figure out how you can help them at a higher level? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And thanks for having me. I, I've spent the past five years just studying the science behind helping people have breakthroughs, whether that's healing trauma, whether that's breaking through to the new identity, taking back their body, mind, relationships and wealth. Like I just want people to have it all. And oftentimes in, in people in our space, they think like, well, I can have the business, but I have to neglect my health or I can build this business, but I got my relationship's going to suffer. And that's a belief. The truth is you can have it all. And so I, I do an event. It's every single month. It's a virtual event. It's um, a couple days, a few hours a day with me, and it's specifically designed and engineered so you have breakthroughs and shifts and aha moments. I call them light bulb moments. And so I'm doing an event. It's uh, it's a couple days. We can drop the link. And if you want to spend five days with me on like immersive breakthrough training and lay it all out on the line, get uncomfortable and shed away some things that are holding you back, that's what I specialize in and that's what I'm going to continue my journey on. And I would just end off with this saying, you have to suck long enough to get great, right? Like you got to be able to like be terrible at something. I was terrible at speaking, terrible at selling, terrible at influencing, whatever it may be. 
And if you're willing to suck long enough to master something, like life will never be the same. And so maybe someone's listening to this right now and are like, is, is flipping for me? Is this whole wholesaling or th this and that for me? Like just, just suck long enough. Bill's your coach. It's going to be amazing. It's going to condense time for you. But like give yourself some grace. You're learning a new skill. But yeah. if you can endure the, the sucky time, you're going to look back a few years and laugh and say, I'm so glad I didn't quit. Look at the life that I built. And so I just wanted to send that love to your people. And uh, if they're up for joining me on the virtual event, I think it's going to be really impactful for them. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll drop the link in the in the com in the description here. So if you're you know listening to this, it'll be in the description, and then also in our email. And and anytime you can reach out to us and and ask us about it, and my team will have the link and, and can send it to you and all that stuff. So um, Nick, thank you so much for being here, man. As always, it's a pleasure to uh, to spend time with you, to share a room with you, virtual or live. Uh, it's been awesome getting to know you over the past year or so, and um, I'm really excited about what you've got coming. And I, I think our people. Like this, like purpose, this beliefs, th these things, like this, this is the, that's the key. Like they need that. So, yeah. um, it's very rare that I bring somebody on the show and, and, and push them to a friend of mine or a, another place or something like that. But, uh, I'm telling you guys, there's not somebody like if I need it, Nick is somebody that I'm studying. And when, uh, I think Nick, you said something at, at my event and I'm going to say it right back to you. When there's somebody who know who's smarter than me and knows more than me, I, I listen. I got, I was in the front row. I got pages of notes because, um, this is somebody that I'm learning from. I don't care how old you are. Uh, you've got the wisdom that I want in, in certain areas for sure. So, and, and I love having the opportunity to be mutually beneficial to each other. So, uh, thanks Nick for coming on. And if you guys are listening, uh, check out the link. We'll have it in the description. It'll be in the email. And if you need it, you can always send an, uh, an email to us info at sevenfigurefooping.com. So, uh, Nick, thanks for being here and everybody we will see you on the next show. Bye. Thank you, brother.